Good afternoon and welcome to the Monday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll chat with Canola Council of Canada President Jim Everson. Also, Federal Conservative Agriculture critic John Barlow will join us to discuss the Liberals' 2022 budget. And up first in today's country comment, I'll talk with Ian Stepler, chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Manitoba beekeepers are going through a difficult time. Ian Stepler is chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. Boy, I mean, beekeepers need a bit of a break here. We're just getting pounded by weather. Um, I'm hearing reports from uh, many beekeepers as we're getting into our colonies after winter, uh, very concerning losses. And then I'm hearing other reports from other producers with not so much concern. Um, so it's kind of all over the map. It's early days right now. Uh, we haven't really been able to get into our colonies. And it's, <laughs> it's because we haven't been able to get away from all this weather. So it's, uh, we're hearing reports of losses. And the more weather we get influenced like this, it's just going to be harder uh, on our bees, and I'm, I'm just afraid we're going to be seeing high, heavier losses than typical. Uh, what are some of the reasons there for the, for the losses? I think uh, it's hard to tell right now. We're just investigating into the situation because we're just uh, at, at the beginning of it, but there's a lot of conversation with beekeepers around the province with um, you know conditions related directly to that drought we had last summer, uh, that hot and dry and, and smoky summer we had, it was really stressful on the bees, and it might have maybe shifted them out of cycle a little bit and allowed, because of that stress, allowed maybe that pest to cycle in and take hold, and it maybe didn't provide producers with the ability to ad- adequately treat the mites as maybe we should have been able to and allowed that foothold of the disease maybe to pressure our hives, which followed then with a very unusually warm and flowery Fall. I don't know if you remember, but there's fields of canola out in bloom uh, at the end of, pretty much in the middle of October, 25 degree weather. The bees are almost shifting themselves out of that winter state as they prepared themselves for winter, almost back into that summer state, actively foraging, almost like we had more flowers mid-October than we did all July. And that set the bees off cycle again like that, and it followed suit with a really cold and long, snowy, windy winter and I'm just looking out my window right now. I mean, if we haven't got out of winter yet, we're middle of April. It's just it's all these conditions over the last little while just seem to be adding up to unfortunate losses we're seeing in some of our colonies. And what's that going to mean for the honey supply? Manitoba supplies roughly 20 million pounds of honey. And if we see a substantial loss with our honeybees, I mean, we won't be able to achieve that objective uh, the unfortunate situation right now is two things. Uh, producers that are seeing heavier losses are telling me that they're standing in line for replacement stock. There just doesn't seem to be enough replacement stock to be able to satisfy some of the demand currently out there right now. And one of the reasons for that is because Manitoba is not experiencing losses. It seems to be a Canada-wide situation. Early reports of heavier losses seen right across the country so that's put more pressure on our import stock to be able to replace the stock. So if beekeepers can't replace their dead out, then they simply can't produce the honey, right? And right now we seem to be in a situation where honey prices are quite favorable 
and it's really disappointing if producers can't restock their boxes to be able to produce that honey crop to capitalize on that uh, opportunity. So uh, producers are quite concerned about it. What's the issue with uh, bringing uh, in bees from the U.S.? The, uh, the package of bees from the United States, it's been closed for roughly about 35 years now due to pest concerns. And um, I guess this year, as beekeepers are experiencing losses, and they're looking like they're going to be sitting in line and not being able to access replacement stock. They're maybe uh, reconsidering the whole uh, closure on the border, uh, maybe to, you know, looking at this as being a viable option to be able to bring packages across the line to fill in that void. Um, it's a little bit controversial. It always has been. Uh, there's a large segment of the beekeeping population that uh, don't want to access U.S. packages because of pest and disease concerns. So it's a very valid point. Uh, the other side of the issue beekeepers are feeling, well, maybe it's time to re-examine this issue and maybe it's time to reconsider because it is available stock and it'll help us with this situation where we're lacking the replacement stock. Um, so the memberships come to the board uh, to request us to revisit this issue once again and we'll be meeting on it, and uh, I guess the membership will determine the direction on this. In Manitoba, I mean, we don't control whether or not the border opens or not, but we'll be taking whatever decision to the CHC, which is our national board, and they'll deal with the issue appropriately. That was Ian Stepler, chair of the Manitoba Beekeepers Association. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. The Canadian Food Inspection Agency has confirmed the presence of bird flu in more locations in Alberta and Saskatchewan. That news came over the weekend. Manitoba officials are also investigating suspected cases of avian influenza in wild birds near Wascada and Dauphin. That announcement came Thursday. The CFIA has said avian influenza is not a significant public health concern for healthy people who are not in regular contact with infected birds. Last week, the Canola Council of Canada and Canadian Canola Growers Association participated in a town hall discussion as an initial step to providing input into AAFC's industry consultation for the fertilizer emissions reduction target. Jim Everson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. So we did at the town hall, really made some points about, you know, they need to do this. We were saying to the federal government in a way that helps support governments in meeting global demand, you know, while also addressing nitrogen uh, emission reduction. By all means, make sure that we're not reducing, you know, taking hard measures and regulations to reduce and take away from farmers tools they need to to grow canola to meet global demand. Instead, let's really focus on measuring metrics, understanding how you reduce emissions as opposed to nitrogen use, because the goal is to reduce emissions. It's not to interfere with growers' use of nitrogen. We'll work with the other associations and we'll work with the federal government on, you know, addressing that side of the equation as much as possible. And Farm Credit Canada is offering enhanced credit line options and increased crop input loan limits to address recent input cost increases. Shannon Weatherall is Senior Vice President of Prairie Operations. We've got two changes underway right now in recognition of increased input costs that our producers and processors are facing right now. We're offering credit line increases to crop input financing customers to meet specific pre-approval criteria and also offering two-year credit lines for qualified customers to access up to a maximum of 500000 
And both of those are really to support our customers to ensure they have the financing in place uh, to keep their day-to-day operations running smoothly. She says FCC will continue to consider other options as well, such as debt restructuring to support customers in financial difficulty. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Canute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Monday, April 18th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll hear from federal conservative agriculture critic John Barlow, who will comment on the Liberals' 2022 budget. Reaction continues to come in on the 2022 federal budget. Today, Glenda Lee Allen Vossler talks with Conservative MP John Barlow, the Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri Food, and Food Security. John, focusing in on the federal budget from the agriculture perspective, give us your thoughts on the budget and, and what it will mean for producers. Well, I think what what budget uh, 2022 is mostly reannouncing a lot of the spending outlined in the 2030 emissions reduction plan, um, which reinforces a lot of what the, the parliamentary budget officer already confirmed, uh, that the rising carbon tax to $170 a ton um, won't reduce emissions, but it's going to have a uh, very detrimental impact on, on the agriculture sector. And that's, uh, you know, that's going to be exasperating what we're already seeing in terms of increased costs and and inputs and inflation. Um, This seems like a a nonsensical time to be increasing taxes on on Canadian farmers. Were there some things in the budget that you were pleased to see happening? Well, it was good to see, um, you know, some some compensation finally put out uh, for some promises that have been made in the past, like the, the Prince Edward Island potato ban, the supply managed sectors, uh, see some sort of a solution uh, or at least a temporary solution for the temporary foreign worker problem, uh, you know, an emergency uh, strategy there to address what has been a very uh, acute labor crisis. Um, but, you know, announcing these things, the Liberals have been very good at announcing things, but very bad at actually following through and implementing uh, some of these programs. So, uh, you know, certainly glad to see that it's on the radar, but uh, now it's a matter of... Uh, uh, keeping up the pressure to ensure they follow through and actually um, implement some of these uh, um, these policies to address some of the problems that we've been facing. From your standpoint, what didn't we see? Well, you know, we, we didn't see any, uh, you know, number one would be, uh, you know, any tax relief on the carbon tax. You know, certainly as, as we were seeing, um, you know, the conflict in, in Europe, uh, certainly concerns over a looming uh, food crisis, uh, you know, much higher input costs. We were hoping to see some relief there. Um, we didn't see uh, a follow-through on implementation of Bill C-208 uh, that received royal assent, a conservative private member's bill that was designed to remove tax barriers for intergenerational transfers, of, so help with succession planning. We didn't see that uh, follow through, so that they continue to, to rag the puck on that that legislation that has been given royal assent. Uh, so I, I find that uh, to be um, very frustrating that they they continue to uh, ignore the will of, of the House of Commons. Um, so those two things I, I would have liked to have seen in there, but uh, still haven't seen. Overall, what kind of an impact do you think it's going to have for producers? 
Well, I, I think the impact that it's going to have is as you're adding another $53 billion to uh, to the already growing debt, um, you know, continued uh, high deficit spending, and and uh, this is a high tax or you know high spend, high tax budget, and this is uh, again, you know, all everything is coming down to affordability, and if uh, producers can't afford to to do what they need to do, it's going to make it uh, that much more difficult uh, with rising inflation input costs. Speaking of, of that, let's talk a little bit about the impact of the, the high cost for farm inputs and, and fertilizer. Yeah, you know, we've been, we've been asking for weeks, and it should be a relatively straightforward uh, question for them to answer. You know, we, we've certainly seen it in some many areas of the country that uh, fertilizer costs have doubled and, and sometimes exceeded that. Uh, and now to put the 35% tariff on uh, input or imports from, from Russia on fertilizer, uh, all we're asking them to do is exempt that tariff on fertilizer that was purchased before March 1st. So fertilizer that's already been paid for is on route. Um, you know, it's not going to be uh, impact Russia at all. Uh, it's only going to hurt farmers. Uh, and it's been several weeks and they still refuse to take a position on this. Um, and as I said, you, you know, uh, the Liberals are great at making these these prophetic announcements, but when it comes to the actual logistics and, and actually making a hard decision, uh, they, they continue to fail to do that. So that that's one area that we want to see some relief in is that uh, farmers need cost certainty and to have that looming over them on whether or not there is going to be a 35% tariff on, on Russian uh, fertilizer imports is uh, is frustrating. The cost that farmers are facing this spring going into seeding is is incredible, as we talked about with the increase in inflation, the increase in mm-hmm. in farm inputs, in fertilizer costs, the carbon tax also being on there now and increased as of April first. You know, it's just nonsensical I, to. See where the, the, the tenuous um, financial situation that the many Canadians find themselves in as a result of you know coming through the pandemic, uh, supply chain issues, you know rising inflation. We've seen housing costs double over the last six years. Um, to increase taxes at this time uh, goes against you know flies in the face of, of any any financial uh, advice. I think uh, any experts would be giving. And especially when it comes to agriculture, where there, there aren't alternatives. Um, and well, the one alternative is we've offered is is a conservative private members bill, C234, which would exempt agriculture uh, farm fuels from the carbon tax. Uh, because there aren't alternatives. Farmers have to heat barns. They, they have to dry grain. They, they have to um, move their commodities or, or haul cattle. Uh, it's not like they can uh, put um, you know their cattle onto the subway. Or, or move grain with an electric vehicle. They don't have alternatives. These are the things they must do uh, in order to, to grow food for Canadians and, and now in many cases for the world. So uh, I find that extremely frustrating and almost a slap in the face to Canadian farmers where they're completely ignoring um, what's going on out there and, and continue to follow through on these this activist agenda, the rhetoric that goes with it, including, uh, you know, 25% increase on a carbon tax when you're seeing, you know, fuel prices getting close to uh, $2 a liter and in some parts of the country exceeding that. That's John Barlow, the Shadow Minister for Agriculture, Agri-Food and Food Security. 
for Golden West, I'm Glendalee Allen Bossler. Thanks, Glendalee. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. On behalf of Glendalee Allen Vossler, I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Dairy Farmers of Manitoba is hosting spring meetings this month. A meeting takes place tomorrow at the Days Inn Winkler and another one April 21st at the Pat Porter Active Living Centre in Steinbach. Looking ahead, Manitoba Forge and Grassland Association is putting on a Fence and Water Solutions workshop June 1st. The cost is $30 and you can register on the MFGA website. And MFGA is hosting another workshop entitled Health Check for Your Pasture and Soil. That'll take place July 6th. The cost is $30 and again, register on the MFGA website. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Monday afternoon, last week the Canola Council of Canada and Canadian Canola Growers Association participated in a town hall discussion as an initial step to providing input into AAFC's industry consultation for the fertilizer emissions reduction target. Jim Everson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. It's a real challenge for our industry. Um, You know, I think canola growers uh, generally are really um, committed to, to, to uh, sustainability and GHG emissions. You know, the canola plant itself takes carbon from the atmosphere and uses it to make food and, you know, puts it in the soil. And uh, farmers, you know, with conservation tillage and precision agriculture have really committed a lot to, to climate change reduction over the, over the years. But it's a, it's a challenging time now for this initiative, I think, because you know, the, the globe is really worried about food security coming out of the pandemic and, and with the conflict in Europe. And, um, you know, the governments are putting in place regulations to, to, to help with climate change by having canola contribute to reducing uh, GHG emissions and renewable fuels. And all of those things are creating demand for canola. So, you know, there's lots of global demand for canola for food security and so on. And, and that's going to lead to Canadian farmers making probably more use of nitrogen, you know, to grow more canola to meet global demand. So it's a challenging time to be addressing emission reductions. And the uh, consultation deadline is June 3rd, uh, I guess. Just talk a little bit about what what you'll be doing with, uh, along with the other organizations um, up until then, you know, to try to try to get your your points across. Yeah, so we did at the town hall, really made some points about, you know, they need to do this, that we were saying to the federal government in a way that helps support governments in meeting global demand, you know, while also addressing nitrogen uh, emission reduction. And by all means, make sure that we're not reducing, you know, taking hard measures and regulations to reduce and take away from farmers tools they need to, to grow canola to meet global demand. Instead, let's really focus on measuring metrics, understanding how you reduce emissions as opposed to nitrogen use, because the goal is to reduce emissions. It's not to interfere with growers' use of nitrogen. So we'll work with the other associations and we'll work with the federal government on you know, addressing that side of the equation as much as possible. That was Jim Everson, president of the Canola Council of Canada. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. Farm Credit Canada is boosting credit availability to help with higher input costs. FCC is offering credit limit increases to crop input financing customers who meet specific pre-approval criteria. The Federal Crown Corporation is also offering a two-year credit line for qualified customers. 
to access up to a maximum of $500,000. Shannon Weatherall is Senior Vice President of Prairie Operations. We're really conscious of uh, supporting our customers. Agriculture is all we do. We're constantly watching the markets and watching what's happening and looking to support customers to ensure day-to-day operations keep running smoothly. She says FCC will continue to consider other options as well, such as debt restructuring to support customers in financial difficulty. And last week, canola organizations raised priorities at an AAFC town hall discussion on fertilizer emissions reduction. Jim Everson is president of the Canola Council of Canada. It's a challenging time now for this initiative, I think, because the globe is really worried about food security coming out of the pandemic and, and with the conflict in Europe. The governments are putting in place regulations to help with climate change by having canola contribute to reducing uh, GHG emissions and renewable fuels. And all of those things are creating demand for canola. So you know, there's lots of global demand for canola for food security and so on. And, and that's going to lead to Canadian farmers making probably more use of nitrogen, you know, to grow more canola for, to meet global demand. So it's a challenging time to be addressing emission reductions. The town hall included presentations from AAFC officials about the emissions reduction target and the issues identified in the discussion document. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll get an update on the hog markets. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.